It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Patriot Speed is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome back in another live edition of the Patriot Speed podcast right here here on the CL Network. Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by 98.5 Sports Hub's Alex Barth. Day five of Patriots training camp in the books, which also marked day one of pads. But it wasn't as physical as we might have expected, as, you know, some basic install with the runs we did expect, but they really only had one physical session at the end there uh, uh, down by the goal line, which we'll get into. But the big kind of takeaway from the day was the injury bug kind of bit up to them here. And you expect as the pads come on and the physicality rises, people are going to get hurt. But they used to half dozen bodies either limping around the field today or down in the athletic training garage back in the in the back of the practice fields. Cole Strange came up pretty early in a one-on-one run drill against Lawrence Guy. They immediately took that left knee brace off, and he spent about a half hour with Jim Whalen and the rest of the training staff going through agility and mobile tests. And, and the good news was it looked like he – they gave him his helmet and he rejoined the team on the sideline. Didn't come back on the field as, you know, probably precaution, but it looks like they, they got some good news from Cole Strange there. And I don't think anyone else that was banged up throughout the day left the field early. So it might have, they might have got, got a good news early on here. Yeah, it sounds like Christopher Price reported that the injury was not serious, so that's encouraging, and, and they might have dodged a bullet. But in those agility drills, anytime you see that, especially for alignment, that's you know ACL, MCL, PCL stuff. So uh, glad Cole Strange okay on his birthday too, yeah. on his twenty fifth birthday. But I think to look, he it sounds like he's fine. All the reports are that he's fine. We'll operate as though he's fine until he's not. Until if, if we find out he's not, you know what I mean. And and he's going to be their left guard as long as he's healthy. I think the bigger thing is it showed you where things are at with this team at the tackle position because it really the whole offensive line because you had Andrew Stuber playing significant reps today along with Mac Jones. You had Antonio Maffi stepping in at right at, at left guard for Cole Strange. Obviously, Bill Murray's been in there. Uh, you saw them having to split Riley Reef and Connor McDermott on both sides because Trent Brown was limited. Calvin Anderson still not practicing. Look, they'll get guys back. I'm not saying they're going to go out there week one with the group that they had today. They should, if they do, that's a massive, massive problem, but it shows you kind of where they're at after Trent Brown and how quickly that drops off before we're saying this guy's out there with the ones. And um, again, they'll get Calvin Anderson back, but Trent Brown's a guy who 
is he going to stay healthy? That's obviously a question. I, Riley Reef, I think you have that question about too with his age, and you really got to see what they're working with in terms of the offensive line because on one hand, none of these guys should play significant reps this year. On the other hand, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing if some of them did. Yep. Brown, Brown, as you mentioned, was limited. Looked just like a day off, right? Which they've seemed to be doing here with the Stevenson also was limited. Two guys, you saw Stevenson kind of fade down the stretch last year and Brown obviously has injury history. So it looks like they might be doing a little load managing there. Judon was in that group too. Whether that's how much of that is contract related, we, we might find out if they give him some a little pay bump here. But yeah, that, that offensive line, it, it was our biggest thing going in here. And then you saw, I mean, no unit in the NFL is going to look good with three backups in, which was what they were pretty much running with today. But you have question marks there with some guys with injuries histories and the guy like even David Andrews is getting up there with age and it, it could drop off pretty significantly there. And, and that's, that's a worry here early on. And it was highlighted today. I think another important thing uh, to remember within that is I completely just lost my train of thought. It's <laughs> We're only two days into the six day thing. The other important thing um, to remember with the offensive line just keep going. I'm, I I totally lost it. It was something about Riley Reef. Oh, it was like, e even the guys that were out there, like, it, it's not just, oh, these guys are out there. Hey, it's weird. They're out there. Like, I didn't think Riley, like Riley Reef struggled today again. And we, we talked about maybe the foot speed when they're not in full pads. And when he's able to get his hands on people, it'd be better. Eh, kind of not really. You know, I, I thought the defensive line definitively won the day. That shouldn't come as a surprise based on who was out there. But it, it was kind of what we expected from the offensive line. I think I maybe have been more down on the offensive line than most, but what we saw today, I think kind of explained why. Yep. And McDermott opened again at, at right tackle. I thought he looked, he was, might've been their best lineman today, which again, low bar with the bodies they had, but he seems like the front runner early on front runner for that right tackle spot. And it's, it just, it's not a position as we've discussed a lot that you can just go out and add reinforcements to, right? So this, this is pretty much what they're working with. I know they had four guys in for workouts today, two tackles, two guards, but these are guys from, there was one from like the USFL and, you know, that's kind of where they're scraping at if they want to bring in extra bodies here. So this is kind of the unit they have. Jake Andrews was out again for his second straight day. Yeah. We'll kind of see what happens there. We still don't know when Michael Winu's coming come back here off that ankle surgery. We don't know where Calvin Anderson's been on the non-football injury list. So this is pretty much it. And, and Chase and Hines too. He went. He spent some time in the athletic training tent today. So it, it was getting pretty barren there for for a while today. And that's still we said it biggest issue entering, and it just becomes the biggest issue more as we go along here. I will say this though. I I think they know. Because they hosted yep. four linemen after practice today. And that that says something. Like, they need bodies. It, it's not I, – I know people will start talking about DJ Fluker and Taylor Lewan and sign a tackle. I, top of the depth chart, I think they're going with the guys they have. I, I really don't think any of those guys are as much of a risk as the guys they have right now. And I think they feel good about their group. And bringing somebody in at this point, having them learn the offense and, and getting synergy with the rest of the line and all of that is not – they don't – they could do it. I don't think it's the help people think it's going to be, but 
you need enough bodies to get through camp. That's the other side of it. And, you know, running back too, right? They were in a drill today. And look, it wasn't like high intensity or anything. It would have been busy work for the running back that was doing it. But they had one period where they were way in the back corner with the offensive line and they're running, you know, it was run fit drills and, and here's where you line up. And then they had the quarterbacks back with the wide receivers doing a seven on seven. They did one of those seven on seven plays required uh, play fakes. And because all three running backs were down on the other side, normally back of the roster guy, guy that's, you know, camp body is going to stay and take those play fakes and run a couple patterns. Instead, it was Ross Douglas, who's the wide receivers coach, who was a running back in college at Michigan very briefly before he changed positions. Maybe Ross Douglas would have been doing that anyway, but it 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 felt weird. It looked weird yeah. that, that they had him doing that. He had some nice moves, though. He had a he nice- did, yeah, he was moving. Like, like credit to him. He was moving, but it, it kind of came out of nowhere. They also, I don't know if you noticed, in some of the 11s, uh, I was talking to Phil Perry, and he said he's never noticed this either. Only one half of the defensive line would rush at times, and the other half would just be on a knee for the whole play. And we said maybe that's just because they don't have bodies on the offensive line that go every single rep like that. So, so yeah. the one thing I I, I might have noticed, like massive caveat caveat on this, might because I caught it late. I was trying to watch something else, and I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and then they snapped. I think maybe Johnny Lumpkin took a couple snaps to tackle. I may have miscounted and he was at tight end with his hand in the dirt, but like quick glance, I thought he was the second guy off the center. And that was one of those reps, like you mentioned, where the defensive line on that side didn't do anything. I noticed like was if it was down by the goal line, I think he was a tight end there. But if it I didn't No, it was further back. It was it was like a pure run drill. He might have, yeah. So he might have, yeah. Again, I don't don't put it in Sharpie. I was looking very quickly, but I it 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 looked like it. It gets tough sorting through all those bodies. Well, it's tough because, like, I was looking. I whoever was was I was trying to watch like the running back, and I just wanted to see you know the exchange and where his eyes. And I believe the running back was Kevin Harris mm-hmm. on this specific snap. And I kind of so like I'm in the binoculars, right? So I'm just looking at Kevin Harris, and then I see it's in the little corner of my binoculars. I'm like, all right, that's Lumpkin. Like how? M-? And I started counting. Right, is it one or two guys between him and the center? And there's obviously you know, they're coming at us. So the defense is between us and the offense and I got to see through bodies. And, um, and then I'm like, all right, let me see if he lines up the next snap. If they do it again, and he went off the field. So that's, that's the thing about camp. You can't see everything, yep. but it, maybe. We'll keep an eye on that tomorrow with, with yeah. all the offensive line health. That'll be a big thing entering tomorrow, but mentioned Kevin Harris. Uh, he was kind of first back up with Ramondre Stevenson limited throughout the day. And I thought he was pretty, Pretty impressive. He had looked like we got in on one of those down by the goal line, and he does look noticeably uh, skinnier a little bit, but he's still built. But I thought it was getting a lot of reps there with only three backs. But I thought Kevin Harris, it was kind of a, a good start for him as they kind of lay this Bill O'Brien run game for the first time, it looked like. And this is a practice. Kevin Harris should be very involved, right? Full pass yeah. contact runner. I do think it was interesting that it felt like for a couple of days there, it was trending towards Pierre Strong being that second running back and that heavy dose of Kevin Harris. It mixed results. He had some nice runs. He did drop a pass from Mac Jones, but it it, it still feel like they still feel a body short at running back, right? I, yeah. I didn't look at Kevin Harris saying, you know, for Mondre goes down, that's your number one running back. I haven't felt that way about him. I haven't felt that way about strong. Now they're, they're committing to these guys and they're giving these guys a shot. And I think that's excellent because 
you drafted them, especially strong. You drafted in the fourth round. These are guys that you need to play and you need to find out if they can play, but it does still feel like there's a missing element to that running back room. Yep. So Zeke's still on the radar. Maybe we'll see what happens with yeah. that. Dalvin Cook. I still think. Jets, Dal- right, without yeah. I was surprised by Henry yeah. reported that they were working on the finer points and they, I'm not to make fun of him. Like that was the, he quoted finer points in his tweet of a deal. So who, who knows what that means, but I, I, I still think with the running back, as I said the other day, I think they want to see what they have in these two guys. And after joint practice, you know, after this week, maybe after joint, the first joint practice with the Packers, they'll, they'll reevaluate and say, all right, you know, we need another body. Yep. I'd agree there. But first, do you have any big first takeaways from O'Brien's run game? I know it was just one day. It looked like mostly zone stuff out of, you know, two tight end sets, but maybe that's probably the first order of progression here before they get into that more gap downhill stuff. Now that the pads are on, but any big takeaways from, from day one, it's tough. Cause it almost feel like, feels like they're ramped back because of the personnel. Yeah. It almost feels like they, you know, cause earlier in practice, there was a little more and then less. I, yeah, I, it's, it, it's tough to take anything away from that. It looked better than it did last year. So there's that, but uh, no, nothing, again just with the personnel for for a first day of pads you want to dive into the offensive defensive line and when you have essentially the third string offensive line against the starting defensive line it's it's really tough to to go out and make any sweeping proclamations about it like yeah i i thought dietrich wise christian barmore both and we didn't get the offensive defensive line one-on-ones either but in the context of 11s i thought dietrich wise had a couple definitive wins i thought christian barmore had a couple definitive wins but those are against guys that if they're on the team, I don't know if they're going to be dressed on game day. So it's yeah, good. They're beating the guys. They should be excellent. After that, I, I, you know, I'm not going to dive into it and, and start projecting forward off of it. Yeah. And maybe the injuries bill had that meeting right before that last period, he gathered the whole team together Yeah, and kind of just said like, let's be smart about this. We can be physical, but let's not have bodies on the ground. Let's get the work that needs to be done without being over physical. And so that might've played a hand and kind of dialing it back and not getting into the, the real competitive physical stuff throughout the day. Yeah. I, I did um, think it was interesting. Bill had to have that meeting though. I don't yeah. remember anything like that. And you know, there's been times where like you start getting fights and he'll pull the team together and be like, Hey, cut it out. But they were, they were going for it today. It was it, it, it first day of pads and, and then some it felt like i don't know if it was specifically targeted at some of the younger players but jabril peppers kind of like he's like look i was like that in my like first two years just wanting to come out and go like guns blazing but he's like you'll learn like that's not how you practice so well and then meanwhile he comes out like the next period and lit and up Kevin Harris. so <laughs> it, for he whatever that's worth yeah he so that one session where they really did get physical which they've done that they've usually open with that right on the first day of padded practices that full contact goal line session but they didn't do it last year for for whatever reason but they did it this year four plays i had the offense two for four were you there too yeah two for four kevin harris because i didn't count the mac the max scramble i didn't count yeah yeah that's a win for the defense so it was uh, Kevin Harris looked like he got in the first one. And then the second yeah. one, Jabril Peppers came in and blew up Jelani Tavai, who was playing fullback, which we can get into. 
met Kevin Harris right in the backfield for a stop. And then they went play action on the third with Mac, floated one to Henry, looked like a bit of a miscommunication on the route or, or wrong shoulder or something there incomplete. And then they let Bailey Zappi come in and hand the ball to Pierre Strong for a touchdown. So that that was the real one competitive session, yeah. session of the afternoon. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the most interesting for, thing from it, uh, other than that Peppers hit, which was awesome. Yeah. And again, I, I, I've said, like, that's my guy this year. I think he's the breakout. Yeah. You know, Gonzalez is a rookie. He, that's its own thing. In, in terms of the guys that are back, Peppers is the breakout player on the defense this year. He's fully healthy, which he wasn't last year. He's now had a year in the playbook. He, he's, his role is going to be more diverse with Devin McCourty no longer in the building, which I actually think is going to suit Peppers a little bit better. I think he's due for a big year so far in camp. He's done nothing to dissuade me of that. But the Jelani Tavai fullback stuff is interesting. Before people freak out about it, I think we just like, – let's put that in context. They're not bringing back a full-time fullback. I, I, if they were going to do that, they would have rostered a fullback. We're not getting James Devlin 2.0. But even the teams that don't have a fullback, occasionally you get down on the goal line, you get into a fourth and one. You want a lead blocker out of backfield. Sometimes those teams use offensive linemen. Sometimes those teams use tight ends. Here we go. I think maybe, and, and that might've been an experiment. That might've been a, Hey, let's see if he can do it. Cause, or they, they, you know, they were down too many linemen. Maybe that is something that a guy like Chase and Hines is going to do, or a guy like Jake Andrews is going to do. And they didn't have him today. So it, you know, maybe devise the emergency fullback. I wouldn't Someone, read too much into that in terms of the big picture of the offense. I forget which player after practice, but one of them kind of hinted that he was doing it throughout the spring too, a little bit. So that looks Peppers, like. Yeah. Peppers kind of did. Yeah, so it kind of looked like if they're going that route, it might be Tavai's role. But but I, I don't think this is a thing. where Remember Landon Roberts would like play fullback? Yeah, yeah. this yeah, looks like know, a the, situational the, package down by the goal line because they had like three I, tackles in there. Just like Yeah, this is a – So when Roberts was playing fullback, they had installed their entire offense <laughs> with a fullback and then all the fullbacks got hurt. So they had to have somebody do it on an emergency basis. This, where they're repping it this, this early on, it, to me this feels like – We'll see it a handful of times this season. This is like Mike Vrabel at tight end kind of thing. Not a, you know, few times a season occurrence, not a few time a game occurrence. Yep. But um, that's part of the Bill O'Brien offense, right? It's kind of taking shape here. A lot of different personnel packages. And I know it was a lot of run game focus and short passes, but you continue to kind of see the creativity that he brings, a lot of motion, a lot of what, you know, Bill Belichick calls a continuation of the run game, almost a lot of screen passes today. So I think it's just what we've kind of wanted them to do with Mac the last few years. And, and we're kind of seeing that come to fruition here with, with Bill O'Brien on the practice field, which is just all positives going into this all important third year. It does feel like they're, 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 they're building up. I think the last two days they had that off day, which is probably film day and, and they've come out in, we, we knew they weren't going to install the entire offense right away, yep. and the entire offense still isn't installed, nor should it be. But you are starting to see some more of that motion. We saw with Demario Douglas today, that orbit motion that they ran with Marcus Jones a ton last year. That was exciting. But yeah, you're start, it was all very vanilla the first few days, mm -hmm. and that's what it is. It's a teaching period. It's an install period. You expect it to be vanilla those days. The thing, the, the difference to last year is they never got out of vanilla. It was vanilla through January you're starting to see them now mix in some of these more complex concepts. And it, it, this is just scratching the surface. They're going to build and build and build from here and they'll build throughout the season. But it is nice to kind of 
some of that stuff we speculated. You mentioned the motion. They were 26th in motion rate last year. I doubt, you know, 10.8%. I really doubt that number is going to be that low this year based off what we've seen so far. Yeah, there was a lot of motion heavy in the spring too. So just building that and building that. And hopefully we get those downfield RPO packages that we've all been clamoring for, right? Because Mac was so good at those. At Alabama, those the slants, those those kind of seam routes, because they've only run bubble screens off those RPOs for the most part. I think they attempted like two last year, and neither of them worked. So hopefully O'Brien in that Alabama background, they keep building off that, and they don't just keep it, you know, like that vanilla, like you said, throughout the year, and we'll see that kind of develop as the summer goes on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll 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 keep it going with that. Yeah. Sorry, I just I, mean, I got caught up. A little bit, little tiny bit of breaking news here. Uh, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. After spending Sunday with the Jets, Dalvin Cook is headed back to South Florida. By all accounts, his meeting with New York went well. He remains a free agent. So, at least for now, no meeting with the Patriots. And it kind of made sense when they said he was planning the meeting with the Patriots. He's in New York. He then goes to Boston. Boom, boom. Um, it appears he left the Northeast without a meeting with the Patriots. So That's, didn't expect him to sign here anyway. Didn't expect him to get out of New York without a contract, but now now we have that. That was the most surprising. I thought him on the practice in the local delis or whatever, it looked like he was kind of a, a lock to, you know, sign there with the Jets. But that's home to Florida, right? Not home or for a Dolphins visit. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, no, he's he he lives in he's from South Florida, he lives in South Florida. Yeah. But I mean some of these other teams starting to need running. Zach Moss went down today, and obviously the Jonathan Taylor situation, whatever you yeah. want to call that, will be interesting to watch unfold. And then I all had a few running back injuries, so maybe this market will will start to pick up, pick up a little bit. But so we'll, we'll keep keeping an eye on those guys. Uh, should we hear from our pals at FanDuel and then get into the rest of practice? Let's do that in a second. Okay, let's do it. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, so you mentioned them a little bit before uh, our FanDuel ad there, but I got to bring up Demario Douglas again, the, the star of camp early on here, six-round booty. But we kept saying after the first few days, let's see it when the pads come on, let's see it when the pads come on, because he's, he's 5'8", 1'9". Right, that's and he has that type of to really dominate in, in a non padded practice. But I thought he passed his first test with flying colors with the pads on. He was still getting open, it's Jones again, but, but the pass was high, didn't get to him. And I think the big thing was when they were doing those wide receiver screen drills, he had really good blocks and, and those drills showing his kind of physicality. And they drew some pretty good applause from the coaching staff and his teammates so this demario douglas hype train kind of keeps rolling here as, even as we get the pads on and this was the day that it was going to peter out these guys i always use maurice harris as the example i just did uh, my podcast with andrew callahan from the boston herald which people can find 
98fathersports.com. He mentioned Trey Nixon's been this guy in the past last spring. These small, quick guys that when the pads come on and corners can really get their hands on them, they disappear. But tomorrow, Douglas is getting open at the top of the route through contact today. You mentioned the blocks. That's, I don't want to say unexpected, but that's a big step. He's got to do it again and again and again. Like we got to see it through joint practices and in preseason games, but didn't disappear. Didn't disappear when the contact started. And that's always a good sign. Yeah. Still working in with math too, pretty consistently, which is a good sign. But as Bill always says, training camp, it's a marathon, not a hundred yard sprint here. So you got to keep stacking, show up in the preseason. He's going to have plenty of opportunities. Kayshawn Booty was back too in that rookie wide receiver room after missing yesterday with an undisclosed injury. He kind of got involved in their red ball when Mac and Bill O'Brien go on a separate field with some of the receivers. He was involved for the first time there, and he had a really – I don't know if he got his second foot there. Really nice adjustment to haul on a back shoulder catch along the sideline, so maybe he can start building some momentum too as we go here. Yeah, and then he had that really nice play on the sideline where he got himself open and I mean, Trace McSorley overthrew him like what, 10 yards, 12 yards out of bounds. And it tends uh, to happen. <laughs> and I'm exaggerating. There's like, you know, two feet, three feet, but I, I don't know that he caught it or not. I thought he got the second foot in. Some other people said, no, we, we kind of had a draw voting on it up on the media Hill, but to make it as close as he did for what the impressive. throw was in itself is impressive. So didn't have a great start, had those two drops on whatever it was Thursday, Friday, but starting to fight back a little bit. That's a guy with a lot of natural ability and he's physical. So the pads coming on, he's a guy that should start to shine here. And I thought he had a good day today. Yeah. That that fifth wide receiver. And you know what? Jalen Hurd made another nice catch today, too. I, I still think he's behind those other two, and he may be behind Trey Nixon as well. But that fifth wide receiver battle, which watch, it's gonna be what it was last year where we're going to get all hot and bothered over this fifth wide receiver battle. And they're going to keep four guys, but that fifth wide receiver battle is really starting to heat up. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately heard, I don't know if you saw, he ended in the training area. He got banged up. I don't, it didn't see what happened, but he was back there, which obviously has been the story of his career, right? Third yeah. round pick hasn't played an NFL snap or three straight years. So something else to monitor when, when they come out tomorrow, but that was, you know, boot. Douglas, good good starts to build. Juju, very involved again. He was Mac's probably favorite target. Again, not much in the passing game, you know, all short stuff. But Juju still looks like that whole high volume could push for, you know, 80, 90 catches that, that we kind of expected when he signed here early on. The important thing there, I, I think, you know, Juju's been in this league long enough that we we know what he can do. I don't think yeah. he's going to surprise anybody with his skill set. I, I don't mean that as an insult. It's just he's a well-established NFL player. Same thing with Devontae Parker last year. Oh, he's catching jump balls. Who saw that coming? The bigger thing is after he wasn't on the field in the spring, where was his chemistry going to be at with Mac Jones talking about Juju and the Schuster here, first year working together. That's an important development is, is those two working together, building that chemistry. Cause we saw it with Mac and, and Jacoby Myers for two years, how well they work together in some of those timing patterns and, Mac could throw the ball before Jacoby looked and he'd just be ready for it. And if you're going to run that slot role in New England and, and run a lot of those option routes, it's all about being on the same page as the quarterback. I mean, that's the whole story. So 
limit. I don't want to say like limited reps actually for for Mac and in Juju because they're working together now, and it did sound like they threw together a little bit. But making up for missing time in the spring, it seems like they're starting to get on the same page. Yep, and and Juju mentioned they worked a lot off the field, but you, you got to see it on the field how that chemistry transfers. So, uh, any other? Little details, offense, defense. He had I had Isaiah Bolden keeps kind of pushing for a spot. He had a nice pass pick up on Ty Field. We'll get into the MVP of the day, Bryce Berenger, in a second. But any other offensive or defensive takeaways you got? So th- I, I'm not sure what to make of this yet. Actually, Brian, I'll, I'll I'll lob this question to you. I just thought this was interesting, and maybe it means nothing. But I mentioned before when we were talking about the running backs, they had those those two drills going on simultaneously. So in the back corner, they're doing run fits, and it's the offensive line and the running backs and Trace McSorley. And then up in front of us, like complete opposite end of the field, it was a seven-on-seven seven with Mac, Zappy, and the wide receivers. What position does that leave out? Tight end. Now, they were split. You had Hunter Henry, Matt Sokol, Anthony Ferkser back doing that run fit drill. And Johnny Lumpkin was back there too. And then you had uh, uh, Mike Kosicki and Scotty Washington in the seven on seven. And I feel like I missed the tight end. If I did, he was in the bat. Like Kosicki, Washington, seven on seven. Okay. Kosicki, Washington, seven on seven. Every All the other tight ends run fits. We've talked about Mike Kosicki kind of being that hybrid wide receiver tight end. And Washington, obviously, is a similar player type too. He's essentially, you know, the second team version of Mike Kosicki. But I do think it was interesting they split them up, and maybe that tells you Mike Kosicki's not going to be a big part of the run game, and he's going to be detached from the formation, and he's going to be more on the field and passing downs. That's me sort of guessing. I actually like I don't remember seeing them do anything like that. No. Even you know when they had other tight ends, you know, but they never really had tight ends with this sort of skill set. But again, what do you make of it? Like I just I I found that fascinating because you rarely see them split up a position group like that. Yeah, except it, it, for maybe special teams. I'd say that's unusual, but they haven't, like you said, they haven't had that type of skill. You had Sokol in the run fit group right there. Yeah, so it, it was, again, I didn't see everybody in the back, but it was Kasiki in Washington in the front, in the okay. seven on seven. Everybody else was in the back. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I don't sense. know why I keep pointing like that. <laughs> They're back there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, that split makes sense with Gesicki, Washington, same type of body type, same type of skill set. I thought Sokol has, is making a pretty good push for a roster spot maybe here. He's been that it first, feels like it. first tight end up when they go three tight ends or when he's back. And he had a few nice catches in non-padded practices, and it looked like he kind of held his own in the in the run game today for the most part. Six sixty. He's got the body type, you know, to be that inline guy. So he he's making an early push here. We'll see again. We've talked about it a lot. Will they keep a third, or can they get these guys to the practice squad and just elevate one? But yeah, how they keep splitting up that tight end room that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. So again, I don't I don't know if that means anything, but that was yeah. just an observation. Um, other no other offensive defense observations, Brian, but. You do know what we have to get to. Bryce Berenger. Unreal day. day. Unreal. I don't remember watching a punter and just being like, wow, that is a moon ball. Like like, every single one it looked like. But 
So it reminded me of rookie Jake Bailey. Like when rookie Jake Bailey, when he first showed up and Ryan Allen was under contract, we were like, Ryan (laughs) Allen was just basically the MVP of the Super Bowl. There's no way that this kid's going to take his job. And it was like, I I remember. So this is when I was still working full-time for CLNS and I was technically the camera guy. So like I could be kind of down closer to the field. And I remember one of the first days Jake Bailey was punting and Matthew Slater's like, oh yeah, like Slater was fired up by what he saw. So, and then obviously, you know, it fell apart two years later, but yeah, Barringer, unreal day. And I'll say this, the hang times were impressive and they're on my Twitter at RealAlexBarther in my notebook, 985thesportshub.com. The hang times are not the most important, most impressive part of Bryce Barringer's day today. It's the rotation he puts on the football. And there's, you know, he's got a little Tim Wakefield to it in a good way. Like you don't always want a perfect spiral. Sometimes you do. That's generally, if you're going for bounce, if you're going for roll, like if you're punting from your own end zone, you probably want a spiral because it's going to roll more. If you're further down and you're punting where the other team's backed up, you might want to backspin it. So the ball will, you know, bounce back away from the end zone for a touchback. Or maybe you just want it to be hard for the returner to pick up on. And I think you saw that today. He had two muffed punts, one by Miles Bryant, one by Marcus Jones. That's what stands out to me. And there was another one, I think it was Bryant again, where like he caught it, but he was having a lot of trouble lining it up. He was having a lot of trouble getting under it and getting himself. I think it actually bounced. Like it bounced (laughs) off him and then he caught it. So that to me is more notable than the hang times is that the returners are having trouble catching the ball because that's what the Patriots like. And you don't always see that on film. You can't necessarily see the rotation of the ball on film when it comes to watching punts. So, I'm, uh, you know, we're seeing this for the first time now, seeing a punt. Saw it a bit in the spring, and I like the rotation in the spring too. But, yeah, that that was – the hang times are great. It, they were impressive. I'm not saying they weren't. But it's the rotation on the ball that I'm looking at today and saying Bryce Beringer just – I'd had that thing neck and neck, right, since the spring – this was a definitive Bryce Barringer day. Yep. And right, we knew he had a really big leg coming out of Michigan State, but I think like four or five second, uh, or four or five punts over five time, which was very impressive. But yeah, it was that rotation. I mean, if Marcus Jones is having you know issues catching the ball, that, that's you're doing something right. So awesome. awesome. No kicking, no no kickoff, so we didn't get any there, but. Behringer stole the show. Special teams will be it will be fun to watch them. There should be a, a lot of kicking Friday's practice in stadium, so it'll be fun to watch them yeah. in in that new stadium. See how that kind of looks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a big day for for special teams. That it'll be interesting to talk to them after that. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have another Quinn Nordine night, or it was what was he ten for oh, ten or something? So great, great moments in Patriots history. Twenty eight to three, you know, it, 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 of, of this decade. Uh, you know, the comeback against the Ravens, twenty eight to three, beating the Chiefs on the road in the AFC Championship game. The Mac Jones practice against the Giants. Quinn Nordine's 10 for 10 in stadium practice. And then Bryce Beringer on the first fully padded practice of 2023. With two months. 
they're all right there. They, like just where you rem- you always remember where you were when Quinn Nordine went. To, I that was a fun night. Because the funny thing was about that night, story time, real quick. He was nine for nine, and then they were like, "All right, you got to go down to the field if you want to do media availability." And they we thought they were like wrapping up, so we all go downstairs. I don't remember who it was, but like we're all all the media are together walking. And somebody must have been, you know, falling on their phone. Somebody tweets. Somebody goes, "He's ten for ten. He's ten for ten. Because he had another one. When we were all down in the tunnel, and everybody like freaked out as we're walking out to the media. So, uh, yeah, never forget where I was for for Quinn Nordine's ten for ten. And it, it, but July thirty first, Bryce Beringer might have been better. Probably might have been better. Mark the calendars, Bryce Beringer his, day. His cleats from today's practice will go in the Patriots Hall of Fame next to Quinn Nordine. Exactly. Next to Quinn Nordine, be in there. <laughs> which I said at the time should go in the hall. I don't think they took me up on it, but I do believe I tweeted that that night. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Bryce Berenger day, but that was pretty much all I had from, from the first day of pads. Hopefully tomorrow. I'm not sure if they're going to be in pads. Dietrich wise made it sound like they're going to be off at pads and then back in pads Wednesday. Godchild said we'll be in pads all week, so it'll be exciting. So uh, we'll kind of see there. But any so, last things you had before we wrap it up here? One of the next two days won't be pads. Yeah. It's it's just a matter of do they go out of pads tomorrow to reset what they did today, intense day Wednesday, ramp down Thursday, in stadium Friday, or do they go pads tomorrow Ramp down Wednesday, intense day Thursday in Stadium Friday. That we'll, we'll have to wait and see. The fact yeah. they move practice up, I, for what it's worth, I think maybe means it's another fully padded practice. But uh, that's that's like a very thin string of of reasoning for that. Yeah. So if you're planning to go, it's nine forty five, I believe now instead of noon. So it's moved up with probably because of the Beyonce concert at Gillette Stadium there, but. Guessing one of the next two days will be in pads. Thursday should definitely be high intensity because that Friday session in stadium is dialed back. That's usually just operational stuff. First time the whole team's in the stadium for the year. You get through that. And obviously emphasis on the kicking game. But uh, I guess with that, we will see what happens tomorrow. And we will be back, of course, to break it all down. So make sure you are subscribed to the Patriots Press Pass channel here and your notifications are turned on. So you do know when we go live. But until then, go follow Alex on Twitter, at RealAlexBarth. Go read all of his training camp coverage over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IamBrianHines. And go read all my training camp work over at PatsPulpit.com. And thank you all for tuning in, as always, and we will see you tomorrow.